Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Lori sits on a pillar outside her house, corner of Fairview and Oxley in South Pasadena. As minute 30 begins, she watches trick-or-treaters and Annie's car is just arriving. Now, I've always thought it weird that Annie drives from down the street when her house, and Linda's house, seems so close to Lori's, but that cut in minute 26 after Lori walks away from the brackets could have removed several blocks of walking. Benefit of looking closely minute by minute. Lori rather quickly gets off the pillar and walks across the street in front of Annie's car. We can hear music from Annie's car. And the song is too briefly heard and in the background of other sounds, so Shazam couldn't identify it. It's a 50s-ish doo-wop song with the only lyrics I can really make out being Let's rock, let's roll. Not exactly unique. We're going to cut away from the scene and come back to it after the cemetery with Don't Fear the Reaper playing, even though we're cutting back to maybe literally the next second of footage. That song is in the end credits. This one, not so much. So I do some extra Halloween googling without lyrics and learn that this song is by the Coupe de Vils, a band consisting of John Carpenter, Nick Castle, and Tommy Lee Wallace. In Kim Gottlieb's uh, photo book, you can see this band, the Coupe de Vils, played at the rap party, and there's a few photos of them. Annie, hurry up. Lori walks around to the passenger door and gets in. Second 22, Lori throws that quilted coat into the back seat. I guess that is why she does not have it later. She just never grabs it. Interior, Annie's car, dusk. Annie pulls away from the curb and hands Lori a joint. Annie, we just have time. Lori takes the joint. Second 31, cut to exterior, graveyard, day. But I had a thought today. I was re-listening to Minute 22 with guest Scott Corelli of Dueling Genre, and we were talking about serial killers, or the emergence of popular understanding of serial killers in relation to the timing of Halloween coming out in 1978. The term serial killer can generally be attributed to FBI Special Agent Robert Ressler, who used the term serial homicide in a lecture at Bramshell Police Academy in 1974. This is maybe where the popular use of the term came to be, but the term did sort of exist before. But I actually wasn't thinking about serial killers today, but something else. Something that I'm surprised I haven't brought up yet. Not exactly. For those who don't want to go back to early episodes where the sound quality is far worse, a short version of the story as to why my neglect of the topic is strange. I majored in history as an undergrad, and I favored 1960s radicals, the counterculture, and anti-war movement. So, I'm thinking today, listening to Minute 22, about where Halloween fits not in cinematic history, but American history. I'm thinking of a few things. The crime wave in New York City in the 1970s, the televised nature of the Vietnam War in the previous decade and a half, and violence in the streets that was such a fixture of the American 1960s. I talked back in Minute 3 about how the timing of Judy's death in fall 1963 was, if not deliberate, certainly meaningfully lucky. President Kennedy would be assassinated less than a month later. The civil rights movement was underway in the American South, often with violent response. And as Vietnam dragged the country one way, students across the nation pulled back in another. Don DeLillo once called JFK's assassination the seven seconds that broke the back of the American century. 
For the people of Haddonfield, Judy Meyer's murder at the hands of her six-year-old brother had already broken something fundamental. Insert images of war on television. Insert images of violence in the streets on television. And it wasn't just the big cities anymore, but small-town, middle America, places like Haddonfield. Scott Corelli's link between Michael Myers and serial killers back in Minute 22 is apt, sure. And there's Michael Myers' cosmic horror, force of nature, embodiment of fate, or evil or death. But think about the timing here. John Carpenter was in college right in the middle of the 60s when organizations like Students for a Democratic Society were pushing back against societal programming, against governmental war-making. In 1968, he transfers to USC, and the film that would be his master's thesis became his first feature, Dark Star. The tale of three astronauts meandering around space, blowing up planets to gather resources from the debris. Like 2001 A Space Odyssey in 1968, technology turns against the astronauts. Spoilers for a film from half a century ago. And the bleakness of Dark Star. It is a comedy, but it is bleak. It is dark. The unending violence of Assault on Precinct 13. And the importation of violence to small town USA in Halloween. It's like a trifecta response, conscious or not, to the violence all over the news and reflected in more peaceful protests at Western Kentucky University where Carpenter attended prior to USC. When I spent a month watching and writing about slasher films in my Groundhog Day Project blog, I made the connection between the women's movement as well to the emergence of the final girl concept. Michael then becomes an embodiment of masculine violence, lashing out locally because the most recent war abroad has ended. Michael Myers has so many roles to play. Arrested development, psychopathic child out to kill random girls or his sister and anyone nearby. End a possessed, cult of thorn embraced, seasonal sacrificer. Serial killer. Evil. Fate. Death. Now add to that the violence of men. The violence of the 1960s. Of Vietnam brought home. This location is the Sierra Madre Pioneer Cemetery, a small cemetery at the corner of Sierra Madre Boulevard and Coburn Avenue in Sierra Madre, California, 10 miles from 1115 Oxley in South Pasadena, a.k.a. the Shrove House. Note, at least how the cemetery is set up today, Loomis has just driven up the exit lane. The cemetery has one U-shaped road, and it's narrow, so one way in, one way out. From the script. Wide shot of an old graveyard on a windy hillside. Note the wind. A car pulls up on the small road in foreground. Sam Lewis gets out along with Taylor, the graveyard owner. Taylor is a small, officious man in his late 60s. He glances at a paper. Angus Taylor in the novelization. Just Taylor in the script. Simply graveyard keeper in the end credits. He is played by Arthur Mallet. He has 137 acting credits on IMDb, ranging from Playwrights 56 in 1956 to The Secret of Nim 2, Timmy to the Rescue in 1998. He died in 2013. Taylor. Yeah, Judith Myers, Myers. Row 18, Plot 20. The two men begin walking along through the graveyard. And this scene is yet another example of great use of the panaglide to cover a lot of dialogue in one long take. Like Laurie in the novelization, Taylor also contemplates death. Quote, At the age of 62, the dozens of graves whose excavation he supervised had begun to beckon to him, and he'd started to ponder what it meant to spend an eternity in one. 
he'd arranged to be baptized so that he could be buried in a churchyard where at least there might be the illusion of grace and salvation, and where he'd be surrounded by people bound to him by their mutual faith. You believe in God, mister? Sam Loomis studied the man from beneath craggy brows and decided it wasn't worth getting into a philosophical debate. Doesn't everyone, he said. Which way? End quote. And Loomis shoots him down. <laughs> Taylor, you know, every town has something like this happen. I remember over in Russellville, old Charlie Bowles, about 15 years ago. And the minute ends. That is all for Minute 30. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram Michael Myers Minute. Or join our Facebook listeners group 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh?